The Mahe Mysteries is brought to you in association with Seychelles Tourism from the land of tradition, mystery and endless surprise. For more information, visit www.seychelles.travel. Mahe Mysteries, investigated by Patrick Muirhead, inspired by real events on a remote tropical island, but all characters and action depicted are imaginary. All that remains. Episode 5. Sebastian was hanging out the laundry on the veranda when I found him, having risen long after him and still bleary from sleep, dressed only in my boxes. It was his day off. Some of us have got our work to do, he said pointedly when I offered him coffee. Some of us don't have a job, I replied. Well, some of us better do something about that fast, he said, eyeing me piercingly over the laundry line because some of us don't want to starve. He shook out a wet pillowcase with a sharp thwap and pegged it, his disapproval drilling into me. I wandered away, mildly chastened, patting the dogs resting on their day beds, who regarded me with wide-eyed and much more appealing looks of unquenchable devotion. As I slept inside to boil the kettle, my phone began vibrating on the kitchen countertop, Claudette's name appearing on the screen. For a moment, I hesitated, and then took it. Don't tell me, more skulls, or perhaps a clavicle, or even a femur this time. You still haven't learned to say a simple bonjour Claudette, have you? She said. Bonjour Claudette, comment ça va? Mon bien merci, ou même? Mm, pas bon, pas mal, I said, cradling the mobile awkwardly under my chin while filling the kettle, setting it to boil and tipping a generous dose of ground Colombian into a cafetiere. So what can you tell me about Père Maurice? I'm hearing all kinds of stories and rumours, but none of those who should know most about him want to talk. I heard you've been asking questions, my crew saw you at Point Ocel. Exactly, I said. You can't fart in Mahe without someone at the opposite end of the island hearing it, smelling it, knowing what you ate, and probably posting about it. Claudette laughed. I can't tell you much. Bear Maurice has never been on the radar, really. People at his church like him. I know some of them. He took my cousin's wedding. At my grandmother's funeral last year, he was almost in tears. They say he's kind. Doesn't mean he isn't a pervert in private, though, I said. Maybe, said Claudette. But my gut says mon coignon, vous comprenez? Actually, I agree. I felt the same after we talked. But the family who owned the estate where we live, different story. 
Marialise de Chalis seems to think he's the Antichrist, and the skulls are symbolic, intended to expose him, not the church. The timing could be coincidental, said Claudette. The way they turned up, just as the diocese suspended him. There hasn't been a hearing yet, so it's too early to say. I was about to tell her what Frédéric had revealed the previous evening when Baca and Rupees had loosened his tongue, but held back. Instead, I changed tack. A family seems to have as many secrets as coconuts. They are Grand Blancs, so what do you expect? said Claudette. And with perhaps the exception of Angelique, the eldest daughter, there's no money. Not any more, at any rate. The second daughter, Hortense Gontier, the younger brother, they both look like they're surviving on hand-me-downs and handouts. Well, you know about Hortense's husband, right? There was rustling from Claudette's handset, and she lowered her voice. You know he went to jail? I didn't, I said. He was in the last government, quite high up, a rising star. But he got greedy and was getting kickbacks from two building firms for signing government construction contracts for schools, clinics, that sort of thing. He was given uh, ten years, I think, an extra long sentence, probably for embarrassing the president. And that ruined him, wrecked the marriage. Hortense divorced him. And now she works at the pension fund. Ironic, huh? How did he get caught? I asked. After a pause, Claudette said, Long time ago, but if I remember correctly, someone in the opposition then talked to Seychelles Weekly. He'd seen Dolor Gontier receiving brown envelopes or something like that and gave prosecution evidence at the trial. Yes, that's right. He was the de Chalice family's gardener, Toto something, massive LDS supporter. We promised to keep each other posted. I felt a little ashamed of cheating Claudette by withholding what Frédéric had revealed to me the previous evening, but old journalistic habits die hard. A blurry diagram was taking shape in my mind that appeared to link the skulls, Père Maurice and Toto. Frédéric had talked about finding human remains on the beach with Toto, his boyhood friend, the family's erstwhile gardener. A man, he said, who became a bad character and suddenly disappeared 20 years ago, according to Samuel. Toto, the gardener, who'd been dismissed by the Comtesse for possibly political reasons. That much, at least, could be easily proved. And Hortense, who'd been so hostile about him, well, her reason for such hate was now quite obvious. So Toto was a person of considerable interest, as a possible victim more than a miscreant. Whichever way I played it, I was risking Sebastien's wrath, but I decided that between loafing aimlessly around the beach house all day, getting under his feet, or taking the moke to pursue a hunch, the latter was a safer course. It also presented at least a veneer of industry, 
and he would then be at liberty to enjoy a relaxing day of pottering around the garden or snoozing without my interrupting pleas for help or attention. So I washed, dressed, and was on the track, heading in the direction of the mountain, when I spotted Marise, the Comtesse's housemaid, half trotting, half walking towards me. Bonjour, Marise, I said. You running late? Can I give you a ride? Oh, bonjour, Monsieur. You're very kind. Yes, but it's not necessary. It is no bother to go on foot. I had to get flour and eggs from the shop. Madame has guests for lunch. If she had thought I was going to report her, she was mistaken. As she bent to speak to me, I noticed the gold pendant chain at her neck, its amulet bearing a religious bas-relief. It depicted a haloed female figure like Mary, the mother of Jesus, nursing a child. I felt I had seen one before, exactly similar, and recently, but somewhere else. I struggled for a moment to remember where and on whom. And then it came to me. It had indeed been quite unforgettable, resting between the perspiration-soaked pectorals of Samuel when we'd met on the path to the Grand Cars, more memorable by the conversation about his T-shirt. I like your necklace, I said to Marise. So pretty. What does it signify? She quickly snatched the pendant, almost in shame, and returned it within her uniform. Oh, it is nothing. Il n'a pas l'importance. Il vieux cadeau. Simplement ça. I'm interested because... Well, it's just I was talking to Samuel yesterday. Marise looked around nervously, worry etched on her brow, and interrupted me. I'm so sorry, Imsi, she said, but I beg you forgive me. I must go fast and get back to Madame. The lunch guests will quickly come. I'm sorry. There was no time to persuade her to talk. In the mirror, I watched her scampering away like a frightened deer. Twenty minutes later, I found the old priest at home in Pointe-Celle, alone in the clergy residence, slumped in front of the television, and halfway through a litre of Takamaka Bay, a tumblerful in his hand. It was barely half eleven, but he was a shadow of the resolute, proud man I had encountered two days earlier. Père Maurice, clearly not a man of his word, was still capable of succumbing to the temporal escapes of mortals. I never told you a lie. What are you saying? He spat, his words slurred. It's that de Shelley's Harridan, and let her be damned in hell. This is a slander, I can tell you. They don't appear to like you very much, Père, I said, feigning sympathy. You were the family's priest, the Comtesse told me, but you must have fallen out, and Angelique, at least, seems not to remember ever having met you, which is strange. Why would she say that? How could she forget those important rites for any Catholic, First Communion, etc.? Surely you were the priest who prepared her, weren't you? Well, she's lying. Of course I prepared her. She was a charming girl. I remember her well. A delight. But Angelique was no angel later, I can tell you that. 
And after I helped her, such betrayal. Now her mother is filling her ears with poison about me. My congregation is turning against me. But the Heavenly Father, only he knows the truth. Angelique, less than an angel, you think? The principal secretary at Internal Affairs? It was an unexpected declaration. Her professional reputation was unblemished. Her record in government was impeccable. She enjoyed almost universal approval. Although I had found her coolly evasive in her dismissal of me, I knew most others felt differently. The priest exploded. She is a fallen woman, I tell you, and I helped her to deal with her difficulty. And this is their thanks. I felt every word he spoke was delivered with absolute candour. Drunk though he was, the priest seemed genuinely heartbroken, a demeanour to which years of interviewing the downtrodden and dispossessed had often exposed me. I said, You mean she fell short in some way, allowed herself to have sex before marriage, is that it? Worse, said Père Maurice, far, far worse. She has never married, but she became pregnant when she was still just an adolescent, still living with her mother. I'm sure whatever led her to such wanton self-destruction, she has regretted ever since. This was indeed a startling revelation, firmly at odds with Angelique's public persona. Did she have the baby? Did she carry it to full term? I asked. The priest took a gulp of rum and looked up at me glassily. She did. And what about the child? And there, for the de Chalice family, was their greatest shame, he said. I tried to imagine what that could mean. That the baby had perhaps been born with some grotesque deformity, the product of a genetic mutation caused by inbreeding within a closed and tight-knit Seychellois aristocracy. But the priest, inflamed by drink, quickly removed any doubt. He licked his lips slowly. The newborn was black, he said. Black, I repeated, momentarily stunned. That's what I said. He was of mixed race. Something worse for a family like the de Chalices than a baby born out of wedlock. A dereliction of their hateful, racist values. The consequence of a teenage infatuation of a kind strictly forbidden to them. And a soul, a blameless, innocent, brought into a world without his mother's love or presence. How do you mean? Well, the newborn wasn't wanted. The Comtesse would not allow it. She would never have permitted Angelique to keep him and raise him. It would have disgraced them. So I helped them as best I could. There are limited options, but the Church makes provision for such moments of human failure. We took the baby and cared for him. You mean he was put in a home, an orphanage? There were at least three that I or anyone could name immediately in a small country where abortion was still illegal. 
I made arrangements, and the boy was brought to St. Elizabeth, the convent in Victoria. There are two Catholic-run establishments for assisting in such crises. The child was taken in at Foyer de la Providence and looked after by the nuns. And what happened to him afterwards? Is he still alive, living here? I cannot say. I do not know. He may be. But there are so many tragedies one can lose count. So many fall into the bad ways of their birth parents. He may have passed. I cannot keep in close contact with each and every child who shares his fate. There have been hundreds, and this was a long time past, twenty years ago at least. The girl, Angelique, was then sent away to France to study. The matter was brushed out. The Mahé Mysteries was created by Patrick Muirhead and Lindsay Farabo. It was written, narrated, and produced by Patrick Muirhead. Music was by Isham Rath. It was an operculum media production recorded on location in Mahé Island, Seychelles. The Mahé Mysteries is brought to you in association with Seychelles Tourism from the land of tradition, mystery and endless surprise. For more information, visit www.seychelles.travel. Hello everyone. My name is Tom Kearns and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.